eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, and welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. I'm joined today by Jason Caldwell as Auburn now gets into week three after its 14 to 10 win on the road over the California Golden Bears out there on the West Coast. They now turn their attention to Samford at 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPN+. It is the last tune-up opportunity for this team, I guess you could say, before seven straight SEC games. So, uh, so it's a week, obviously, that they are probably going to go out there and win pretty well, but uh, it's it's pretty important to have one more opportunity to get things, uh, to get everybody on the right page before you turn your attention to the SEC schedule. Because, Jason, as we talked about after the game, you know, that was kind of our knee-jerk reactions. So obviously, we can flesh things out a little bit more today because that was at, what, 3 o'clock our time or something like that. We were We were... Um, just kind of running on fumes at that point. So I think we've had a little bit more time to marinate on what we saw Saturday against Cal. And obviously the biggest takeaway is that the defense looks really good and looks like they've impre- uh, you know, improved, if not you know, from the beginning of the season till now, I think, you know, maybe just over the course of one week has seen some improvements. But Jason, as Hugh Freeze said yesterday, um, what they saw on Saturday against Cal on the offensive side of the ball, particularly the passing game, is not going to work moving forward. And he, he had a lot of things to say about the quarterback rotation too. It seems like they're going to keep playing both guys. The plan is to, to keep both guys in there. It's still going to be quote two quarterback system. It's not really, but I mean, you are playing two quarterbacks at the end of the day. Um, but what he said, he said, look, it just can't look anything like it did on Saturday against Cal. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it everything played into it. I, you know, the good thing is, is that I think instant knee jerk reaction when we're standing in, in a dark and, stadium uh, in the press box Saturday night was, man, the, the, this t- the offense was terrible and, and it wasn't very good. But you, when you, when you start looking back on it, look, there's a reason why it was terrible because they turned it over a bunch, had a bunch of key penalties that contributed greatly to the, the dysfunction of what that offense looked like. Because as he free said, look, 
we're just trying to find a spark. And so you, you put Robbie Ashford in at, at different situations looking for something. And, you know, because we talked about this, you know, kind of on the, on the way back Sunday when we're, we're flying back from across the country from California, but, you know, seven, three, and, and, and you put together a really good drive and Demario Austin fumbles the ball. Uh, no doubt in my mind, Auburn goes down and scores right there. If you do, you're at 14, three defense playing well, you get some confidence. Then you can kind of start leaning on that running game a little bit. You probably win the game 28 to 10 and everybody goes, Oh man, that was pretty strong showing even with the few turnovers. It didn't happen that way. And so, um, Never got a chance to get into a rhythm offensively, and and that was the first order of business. Um, still issues in the passing game. I think the running game. You look at it and you go, as Free said, like if we don't have the turnovers and penalties, we'd probably run for two hundred fifty yards. I think that's probably true. I think they would have, even though they didn't really have a break breakout long run. Um, they were moving the football, but got to find a way to create some plays in the passing game, Nathan. That is to me is job number one right now for them heading into this weekend against Sanford. And I thought it was interesting. We talked about this Saturday night. Uh, look, I said, look, the best two players they have at wide receiver are the two guys that play the same position and the two smallest guys they have, and Jay Fair and Var Johnson. You've already said that on Monday. We'll see how much they can get those guys involved together. But um, Var's been the most consistent guy for the last couple of years. Jay Fair's been the guy that's been you know, probably the, the best in the preseason. Got to find a way to get those guys on the field and, and 13 more touches. That's that's where it starts right now for Auburn on offense, in my opinion. Yeah, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but you wonder if you don't see sort of a net crack game against Samford for this passing game. And Jason, you wrote about it on Monday, and we talked about we talked we talked about it over the weekend, obviously while we were while we were all together in California. The parallels you can maybe draw to the Clemson game in 2017. Now you know, hear us out here as you wrote in your in your Monday morning quarterback column, not saying this team, A, not saying Clemson is as good as Cal, but we're also not saying this team is as good as the 2017 team. I think you can look at both relatively, maybe take it a couple notches down and say, I mean, look, I remember being at that game. We were talking about it. And I mean, no hope it seemed like in that game. It looked like, and they didn't even, the turnover situation wasn't even as bad in that one. It was, it just looked like Nothing was going to work for the rest of the season. I mean, it was absolutely dreadful. Jarrett Stidham gets sacked 11 times. It was terrible. They turn around the next week. What did they do? They go home against Mercer, and they turned it over a bunch, and we're in a competitive game there. But they just slung the ball around, and they said, one way or another, we are going to force this passing game to work. You wonder if you don't see some of that. You have Peyton Thorne throwing the ball 25-plus times against uh, against Sanford because these receivers – really need to start coming on the the thing I, I I came back to as well Jason you, you talked about you know zooming out from from the game as opposed to what we saw right in front of us you're right after a couple of days I was able to kind of look around and say that game was just weird and there were just a lot of things that were very strange when you don't when you don't attempt to pass in the third quarter that's strange when you only run, Jason, is there fewest plays in a game since 2020? You don't run that many plays. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> it all factored in. It really did. Yeah. And you you don't you don't have opportunities. And like Free said, you know, again, it was knee jerk. It was right there. But when you rewatch some of the game, he was right in saying we had some stuff going for us in the second half, and it was like perfect opportunities to be just sliced away every single time they had even one play of momentum. It was sliced away. And then the last thing I go back to is at the end of the day, Jason, like this was 
this you know everyone wants to talk about Pac-12 after dark and how weird it was and how weird it always is. We we've been watching this for years. It was really weird. And the biggest thing I came to, I wrote about it in our exit survey was I saw some Washington fans talk about they were in the comments of the Cal game saying, I bet Auburn will be fine. We saw this last year. I looked, they almost lost Jason. They were in a they were in a one score game in the fourth quarter at Cal in a night game last season. Cal went four and eight. Washington won eleven games. So you just I don't know. It's I, I don't I think you can look at this one a little bit more in a vacuum and say, sure, you can improve things here and there. I just I'm trying to ease off the overreaction, right. I, I think, after this weekend and you know, kind of urging fans as well to maybe, hey, if this passing game, like you said, let's see what the passing game looks like. I don't even know if we'll learn, learn that much against Sanford. Let's see what it looks like against Texas A&M. I, I have a couple weeks to go before I say this passing game's got a lot of problems and it's going to cause problems for Auburn the rest of the year. I've, I've still got a ways to go before I think that. Yeah. Um, the one thing I look at, and look, I'm not saying this Auburn team is going to be anything like these two teams, but I, I was a student in 1993, went to every game. That team went undefeated. They went 11-0. and 0. They had to have a goal line stand to beat Vandy in Nashville. Um, in Tennessee's national championship season of 1998, you know, the year they, they win a national championship, that team comes to Auburn. Auburn won three games. Auburn should have won the game. I mean, they had the ball on the goal line, fumbled it, had many opportunities to beat Tennessee, and that team won a national championship. I'm not saying this team's going to do either one of the two things that, that team did, but you're going to have games like this in a season. It's just going to happen, especially when you're trying to kind of put pieces together. And I just, I just mentioned this because somebody was like, oh, boy, that, that, that brings back, um, brings you back home a little bit. And I'm not, look, this is exactly why we said this team was probably a seven and five team. This is a much better roster than it would have been. But it's still not a roster that is ready to compete with Alabama and Georgia. Not yet. Now, you may do it on a given Saturday, but you're going to have to have all the things kind of fall into place. This is still a very much a work in progress. Hugh Freeze has talked about it. Look, got to get the wide receiver room, got to better, got all these, all these things that have to get better. It look, this has gone from a roster that was a three-win team, in my opinion, to now a roster that's going to give you a chance to compete. But to be able to compete, you can't make the mistakes that you made on Saturday night. And, and think you're going to go out and win games in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, and we saw we saw some things continue to to work the, their way into the equation that we thought would be the case. Things like, hey, Rivaldo Fairweather is his easily Peyton Thorns, uh, if not his favorite target, one of his favorite targets, and a guy he relies on in the clutch, a guy that Auburn relies on in the clutch, clearly on that last drive. Um, now that Jarquez Hunter is back in the mix, what is that running back? Rotation looked like that's really interesting to me. That's something Freeze talked about after the game. He said, Jeremiah Cobb is probably too good to keep off the field. And he said, Brian Batty only played a little bit. We got to play more. Like this is, I wrote about yesterday, this this offense is still in its infancy. And people, I think, I saw some people on Twitter sort of saying, well, they've got, they have all off season. Like he got hired in November. How did he not already know these problems were going to be a thing? It's why we talk about in the preseason and why we try not to get people to overreact one way or another. You have no idea till the bullets start flying. You 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 don't know a thing until you start playing actual football. You can guess and you can say, Jalen McLeod's probably our best pass rusher. Eugene Asante's gotten a lot better. You can you can think those things, and a lot of times they're right. But look, Shane Hooks hasn't really done anything. 
Correct. Yeah. There, there's been a lot. You know, Peyton Thorne, his decision making hasn't been great. That's the reason he won the job, and they said his decision making hasn't been good. Correct. So it's like that was the thing that that you hang your hat on, and correct. it hasn't been there so far. You're, you're exactly right, Nathan. I mean, like you look at it, and it's all a work in progress, especially in this day and age. In 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 15 years ago, you would have known what you had with a roster because you would have had guys two or three years. You would have seen those guys and the progression, the development. The only thing you wouldn't know would how many true freshmen are going to help. Everything else you would probably know. Now you don't. Just because a guy's been productive at Jackson State or wherever doesn't mean that he's going to step in to this situation and do it. Now, I still think it's going to happen, I think, but how quickly can it happen? That's, I mean, look back to TCU. TCU made all those things happen. And it made a run and did all that stuff. They had to win a couple of close games, and they had some ugly ones along the way that they they found a way to win. Um, how quickly can you find a way to put it together? And how quickly can you started it off? How quickly can this quarterback situation find a resolution? Because it, I mean, it's pretty obvious now. You got to find a resolution and a way to make this thing work to be able to get into some kind of rhythm offensively. Yeah. Speaking of TCU, it just made me think. You know. So early in the season, still, you and I were watching the the games on Saturday morning and thinking it was so funny the interview with Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter. Which, by the way, Colorado's awesome. I'm all in. They're great. I'm going to watch them every week. But how do you guys feel when people bring up you and the Heisman Trophy? It's like, dude, <laughs> they've played one game. It's so early in the year. At this point last year, Texas A&M was number six in the country. At this point last year. TCU wasn't even playing its Heisman caliber quarterback that took him to the national championship game. Like it's, there are so many things to still grow and learn. This is why I go back to though. We, we may not know a lot of these things until Texas A&M because as important as this Sanford game is, I think to get a really nice tune up opportunity before A&M 11 AM, by the way, big body clock difference for this Auburn team. They had to be glad for that one against Texas A&M. We just, we just may not learn a lot um, this week. We'll, we'll touch a little bit more. Jason on uh, on Hugh Freeze on Monday and kind of what he touched on. Um, one of the big things he was asked about was, you know, hey, you you handed over play calling for the first time in your career to Philip Montgomery. I think Auburn fans are a little bit more infatuated with play calling than some others, Jason, because of how they've been scarred over the years. Which is, hey, it's understandable. Gus Malzahn, like we, for better or for worse, he flip flopped a lot. Um, but Hugh Freeze maintained. He said, look, I called three plays in that game. One of them was the Rivaldo Fairweather. Touchdown. It is still Philip Montgomery's show. That is the reason he brought him in there is because their offenses are so similar. People thinking that if Freeze took it over, it would look a bunch of like it's the same. They they run the same offense here. They're gonna be they're gonna be a brain trust regardless. But Freeze did say, Hey, I might, you know, maybe this applies to the receivers as well. I don't know. The quarterbacks. He's like, Hey, I might, I might pop my head in some more meeting rooms this week. And that's again, that's the case of a coaching staff. I know they've been together a long time, but you don't start figuring this stuff out until you start playing games. And he he's saying, "Hey, I might have to adjust what I do week to week because clearly we weren't we weren't prepared well enough last week." Yeah, and, and again, like I said, you can't prepare for for turning the ball over four times. You can't prepare for your your veteran quarterback, the guy that you like. Hey, this we got this guy in because of his decision making to make a really bad decision on the first drive of the game and put you behind the eight ball to start out. I mean, like you know, you can't prepare for those things and. You know, that's what happened. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, play calling, probably be some tweaks. I agree. Um, I I think we could see a more aggressive, you know, passing offense from Auburn. Uh, 
this week, um, take some shots down the field, do some of those things. It's obviously they, they got to find a way to build some confidence. And and I, I think this team knows they can run the football if they don't turn it over. But you got to find a way to get some things going in the passing game. And yeah, it is Sanford, but um, you know you got to you, you got to have those opportunities. And so um, yeah, th- there's lots to work on, but there's lots to work on following a a grinded out victory over a power five opponent. Um, could be a whole lot worse. You could have a lot to work on and you could have been coming back home and going, golly, we gave one away that we should have won. And now you're one and one. And all of a sudden you start going, Whew, how many more opportunities you're going to have? Um, now you, you've, you've found a way to win. And that's a, uh, that's a pretty good sign for a team that had a bunch of stuff not go its way. Again, it's weird. Game, those games are weird. That game was so bizarre. I, I, it just was unlike anything I've covered. It was one of my favorite games I've been at so far covering Auburn because it was so uh, unique. But it, it was it was very strange. And I, I really think you can kind of burn a lot of that game film when it comes out. And, hey, if we want to keep making the comparison, I don't know if we do or not, but they lost that game to Clemson in 17, come home to Mercer, you're real flat. And that's a lot. You know, Again, it's not, it's not apples to apples. I'm just saying freeze after the game and all the players were saying man it's great to win this game because it's going to be a lot easier to be hard on ourselves you don't want to go it's tough to go in there and beat and beat your team down on monday and tuesday and say look at all this stuff you did wrong when you had to take a five-hour plane ride home after a loss they were jubilant after the game they had a great time they enjoyed it they were able to celebrate with the fans and for, like Free said after the first game, he said, we're going to celebrate every game. Like, regardless how it happens, we're going to celebrate. And then you flip the and then you flip the page there on on Monday. As I think cliched and like superficial as that kind of sounds like that's a little bit too much like Friday Night Lights for me. But like, I mean, I think there is some truth in it in, in the fact that you can go out there this week and say, hey, I can be really hard on you guys because we celebrated. We had a great time, but uh, we got a lot of stuff we have to work on. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's exactly right, and and you know when you you look at these guys. Um, this is a group of guys that came together and win. That's it. Find a way to win. That's the first goal. Um, that's the most important goal. Um, you go out and lose forty five forty two, and you go, oh, that's great. Well, that's it, it. Still doesn't change the fact that you lost, and so you scored a bunch of points. So. I, Everybody always feels much better when you have a bunch of offensive games. And they're going to have to score points. But it's okay to grind one out every once in a while. And, uh, I, you know, I think I could not have been more impressed with the job that Ron Roberts and that staff did in putting pieces together. They probably did not expect to have to play a whole bunch this season in, in different spots. And they did it. I mean, Eugene, Eugene Asante, I mean, we, we talked ad nauseum about him this week and written stuff about him, put up video um, he's been the ultimate number one surprise for this group. I, I honestly, when when I'm writing a linebacker preview in the summer, that's probably not a guy that I'm thinking about with saying, ah, realistically, that guy's – other than we heard the players talking about it, talking about how much he'd done. But you go, well, we haven't really seen it, and he's been here. Um, it's shown up, and they're getting getting the most out of a bunch of guys right now. And so – um, how the biggest question now defensively, Nathan, is who do we see Saturday? How many guys are back out there? How many young faces are going to have to continue to provide a role and do, especially a linebacker now? Do, 
I mean, Jake Levant, Robert Woodyard, are the, are the, those guys may have to step in and place some significant snaps for this team um, this Saturday. Um, and then you look at Donovan Kaufman. Keontae Scott should be good, but you got Caleb Wooden, which is big. But they, you may have to see some of these other guys, and can they get a J.D. Rim? Can they get him back on the field and start to, to, to move around some of that nickel spot? would be big as well. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, the, the cream starts to separate a little bit on defense, I think, in a game like this. Hey, who can you rely on? And it's it's unsurprisingly, it's been it's your best players who I mean, Simpson was massive in this game on special teams and on defense. DJ James was, you couldn't throw on him at the end of the game. Eugene Asante. I thought, um, I thought somebody on our message board put it the best way about Asante. They said, he's that guy you watch on TV playing for somebody else. And you said, I, man, it'd be great if, if we had a guy like that on our team, he, he just gives you that kind of impact. And it, it was all over the place. Really. He does. It was, it was and, tough to even describe how he was able to impact the game. And now you, and now you need that on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. This, I think, if you're <clears throat> you freeze a Philip Montgomery, you now start to treat this a little bit like an NFL roster, where you go, I, I don't care what position, who it is, who are the guys that are our best playmakers, getting the football. I mean, you see it on the other side. We saw it, you know, we saw it from Cal. They said, look, we're going to find the mismatch. And they thought that was Kay and Lee. And so they're like, we're, like, we're going to throw the ball at Kay and Lee some. And he responded after giving up a couple of plays. If you're Auburn, you go, okay, who, what's the mismatch we need to attack? And you start doing that some in the passing game. And, um, you know, he really said, like, we didn't call enough RPOs. They got to do some more of those things. But it, it comes down to decision-making again. But Rivaldo Fairweather, Jay Fair, Var Johnson, find ways to get the ball in those guys' hands and good things will happen. Yeah, I mean, I was, it was, I was just about to say, you know, who have those guys been so far? It's been five, six, tw- eight, 22. Yeah. Continuing I mean, to get him. Again, and and you're, you're right. So you mentioned it earlier, talking about the running backs. Um, at what point do you start going, you know what? And, and, and it'd be hard to get, I mean, I, I remember the, you know, the Houston offense and, and they had, you know, five receivers that were all like five, eight, but they were really good. At what point do you start going, okay, if wide receivers don't start making plays, you know what? Hey, uh, Brian Batiste, can you play the slot? Can you play those others? You know, can you play two slots and, and Rivaldo Fair? Maybe look at it throwing him the football a little bit more. We saw Demari Austin catch it, and we know Jeremiah Cobb can catch it. Start going, okay, well, we'll just have to configure this a little bit differently. Um, sooner or later, you, you go, hey, 
what ways can we get our best players on the field? Barry Austin has been has been has looked very good every time he's touched the ball um, this season. He's averaging, let's see here, uh, seven point four yards every time he touches it. So that's carries or receptions, and that's I mean. He's played UMass and Cal, so I mean that's I guess that's not the most impressive mark in the world, but um, he just looks really good, and I and I'm I'm interested to see. We talked about that at the beginning. I'm interested to see what happens with Jarquez Hunter now. Uh, Hugh Freeze admitted he was rusty. That I mean anyone could have told you that he he, he didn't have the same kind of. Uh, I thought he missed a lot of holes, which is something he's done a little bit in his career, but not the way that he did in that game, and so. You know, maybe you're thinking, hey, get him one more week in the offense here, get him a little more comfortable against Samford, and then you can go out there against Texas A&M. Again, you're hoping you can go out there against Texas A&M. You got a good rotation. You know, Jeremiah Cobb is still in there, Austin's still in there, and you can feel like you run the ball pretty well um, against Texas A&M. I thought it was uh, we got you know we got players talking about it a little bit more on uh, on Monday. I thought it was interesting. Jason Hugh Freeze basically admitted we didn't really touch on this last week, but. Um, Jay not the, the cow running back had some, had some choice words. Look, Eugene Asante's, uh, perspective on it. I thought was really good. He said, look, a lot of times people just get up here and they lie and they say, Oh, this team we're playing is really good. He's like, and they're lying. They're, they're not telling what they think is the truth. He said, look, he got up there and said, and the quote, the quote going back to it, he said that watching film Auburn didn't look like Auburn. It's basically what he said. Didn't look like the name on the front of their jerseys. And I think a lot of Auburn fans said, Shrugged their shoulders and said, eh, like Hugh Freeze has been saying that same thing in kind of in different ways all offseason. He's like, we don't have the dudes that we know that we should have, but it it is a little different coming from another player. And so um, we got, I think, our first little taste of how Hugh Freeze is going to coach in these little um, instances like that, how, how he's going to handle those things. He said he used it. He started, he started at the beginning of the question by saying that he's, ah, we don't really pay attention to that. And then he... Later on, said, ah, and I used it in my pregame speech. Eugene Asante said he approached him before the game and and talked to him about it. Um, and so, you know, we're we're kind of getting things that you don't really, you're not really able to see until the season gets going. All that is to say, Jason, run defense was a huge what it was the question mark on this team before the season started. UMass, eh, some good, some bad. Um, if you take away their scoring drive, where I, I just feel like they were shell shocked, the touchdown drive, I feel like. Sam Jackson was a quarterback for Cal. They were kind of on their heels a little bit, put in another bad situation. If you take away that drive, Jason, Jade Knott has 17 carries for 33 yards for the entire rest of the game. They didn't have one explosive run in the game. They didn't have a single run of more than t- of 20 yards or more. And so I thought this was that's one of the biggest storylines is saying, hey, this is not a weakness for them right now, or at least they don't think after this game. And, you know, that's a, a Cal offense. And it was against North Texas, but they ran for 380-some-odd yard, yards in, in the opener. Yeah, and Owen Ott was really good last year. I mean, he's yeah. really, really good. Yeah, he had not, almost 900 yards as a true freshman a year ago. I mean, this is a team that, that's going to have success running the football. And they they said, hey, we want to run the football, and they weren't able to. Yeah, it's been – you know, you mentioned, you know, Eugene Asante, but that's, that's part of a front seven group that has been much better – than I anticipated they would be much better than probably most of them anticipated that, that this would be after the preseason. Uh, I mean, Jalen Simpson had said it, said, look, I'm, I'm surprised at how, how good we've been playing. But again, I go back to Ron Roberts, pushing the right buttons, using 
Donovan Kaufman and Keontae Scott and Eugene Asante as an extra guy um, to, to, to create negative plays. That We talked about that as maybe the identity of this defense going, look, they got to create negative plays. They've been able to do that, creating turnovers, um, doing those things. They've been able to, to make those plays happen, and that's the kind of defense you have to be nowadays. You sit back and go, look, we're just going to you know, sit there, grind it out, make somebody drop. Offense are good enough now. They're going to find a way to create an explosive play if you give them enough third and fours or third and threes or second and twos. Um, if you keep people in third and eights or make it second and 12, um, you're going to give yourself a chance then to get off the field. That's what they're doing by the, you know, whether it's a, a phantom blitz here or sending an extra guy here or there, little zones look at times. I mean, it's been masterful through two weeks and teams will adjust and they'll have games where the other team has his number. And then you're going to have to depend on Jason Jones and Justin Rogers and Marcus Harris, those guys to then be those guys up front so far, they've done a good job. And, um, you know, you, you, it's hard to say much more positive about this defense, especially considering that they have not been full speed yet. you still haven't played with Nehemiah Pritchett at corner. You've lost key guys along the way. Um, They've been full speed, and they've, they've been the best part of this team. Yeah, you know, a lot of credit was given to the players on defense after that game, and complete, you know, completely and understandably so. Like, absolutely, this was one of the gutsiest performances I think from that side of the ball that I've seen in, in a while from Auburn's defense. Uh, but Ron Roberts is a guy who deserves his flowers here early in the season. Um, you know, we've we heard so much about him and his his creativity blitzing and his adjustments. Like you said, have been. The you know, adjustment sometimes is like kind of an overrated word on defense. So it's sometimes it's sort of cliched, but I think when you look at this defense in particular, they they do a good job of understanding where these guys need to be to make them most successful. And that I mean, that's the name of the game for a defense. I mean, we were talking about it after the game. It's like how many of these guys weren't playing in these positions last year, and now they are, where you're feeling like they can be more successful doing this. I mean, Jalen like Jalen Simpson, obviously that was because of an injury, but like he looks really good at safety. And Eugene Asante is in a good spot, and Donovan Kaufman's in a good spot. Jalen McLeod is also a guy I think needs to be mentioned. His numbers in this game, Jason, were really good, had the best pass rush rate um, on the team. Freeze said it. He said, look, we're just different when he's in the game. You could even tell from that first play. I think he brought pressure on the Marcus Harris sack. Harris got the sack, but he was he was barreling in from the other side there. Um, in the first half, Jason, just before we close out, I don't think we're going to do a full Sanford preview later in the week with you and me. Um, just because we're getting to a lot of that kind of stuff right now. And this week is more about Auburn than it is mm-hmm. about the opponent. Uh, we will, by the way, everybody try to have a guest on from Samford. We're going to do our best uh, to have that. No guarantees right now because we haven't set that up. But um, I guess just before we go, Jason, we've talked a lot about it, but what are you going to be keeping your eye on? Even if it's some things we've already talked about this show, what are you going to be keeping your eye on on Saturday when Auburn goes up against Samford under the lights and Jordan Hare should be an easy game. They they lost pretty badly to a bad Western Carolina team. I don't think they've got a good quarterback, but I just don't think they're going to give Auburn a ton of issues. This should be a good tune-up opportunity. What are you looking for from the Tigers? Yeah, I think ex- execution on offense. Just just find a way to to make plays. And then again, I, playmakers. Can you if you if you can't find playmakers against Sanford, then it's going to be a long year. You got to find guys that can make plays and. Um, that's in the passing game. I mean, you look in, in Auburn, Auburn does not have a passing play over 40 yards in two games. Um, you got to make some explosive plays in the passing game. That's just that's just the way this thing works now. The days of 
three yards in a cloud of dust are over with. Um, you got to make explosive plays in the pass game. So to me, that's job number one. And then um, how the rotation goes at quarterback, running back, do you start to narrow things down? Uh, to me, those are the two things. I think defensively, just can you can you get some guys back and start to, to get healthy a little bit? That's the key. But um, that's where it goes for me. But should be a lot of fun. Should be good. We appreciate everybody for uh, for hopping on today and joining us on the uh, on the Auburn Undercover podcast. Uh, we will catch you guys later in the week. Like I said, we are not uh, we are not a hundred percent set on our guest for the Sanford game, but uh, the hope is that we will have that for you guys on Thursday morning. Just didn't want to make any promises that we uh, that we couldn't fulfill, but things were looking pretty good, so we should have somebody to talk about the Bulldogs on uh, on Saturday, six p.m. Central Time on ESPN plus. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. If you guys enjoyed the show, please go leave us a five-star review. That is the number one thing that helps us out. The bumper music is by beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him, Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram until the next episode for Jason Caldwell. I am Nathan King. Thank you guys so much for listening today. We will catch you guys later. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.